We are launching a brand new series called Upside Down Kingdom. And to be honest, I'm excited in a different way. Not just like this, this happy, excited, and just so uh, thrilled to teach this message. I am excited, more excited than I've ever been about teaching a series. Because I believe that lives are truly going to be changed as we understand what the kingdom of God is. And I believe as we sang those songs, let your kingdom come, let the darkness fear, show your mighty acts, heal our streets and land, change this atmosphere. I mean, that's what the kingdom of God longs to do. And these next five weeks, I believe, staying healthy. I believe that we'll stay healthy. The kingdom of God is very healthy. Um, <laughs> but I believe truly, get me, I believe that the kingdom of God is going to invade our hearts and invade this atmosphere in a way we haven't experienced before. If you're visiting or maybe um, we worship a little bit differently than you do, Guess what? That's awesome. And that's okay. And we celebrate that. We celebrate that because we're all wired differently and we all express our worship and glory and honor to the king in different ways. But I will tell you this. I bow on my knees in front of all you and I raise my hands because I'm starting to realize that the kingdom of God is real. The kingdom of God is in me. The kingdom of God is here. And the kingdom of God is greater than anything we could muster up in our own strength. I mean, this band could be the best band ever. They're pretty darn good. Caveat. But they literally could be better than any other band. And they could be doing it in their own power. And the kingdom of God is not even invading any of our hearts. And it would mean absolutely nothing. The kingdom of God is so immeasurably more valuable than you and I could ever imagine. But church, as we go into this study for the next five weeks, I challenge you. I challenge you to be here every Sunday. Why? Because your eternal future matters. Now and forever. It's not just about eternity. And yes, we celebrate the cross and salvation. We don't, we don't undermine that at all. We celebrate what Jesus has done and he's our savior and he's the door and the gate to the kingdom of heaven. But the kingdom... The kingdom of God wants to invade our hearts now. So it's going to come in fulfillment and fullness, like the Bible says in Revelation. But even now, the kingdom of God wants to invade our hearts and change the atmosphere. Change your workplace, change your marriage, change your friends, change the hallways of the school. Change our nation. And so one of the ways we can do that is by getting into God's word because God reveals his heart and his kingdom through his word. 
And so we do something at Elevation Community Church called a chapter a day. And all we're asking is you to join us in reading a chapter a day. Today is Luke chapter 3. At some point when you have 10 to 15 minutes, if you read like me, it's more like 25. But take time to read through Luke chapter 3. And we also, every Tuesday, we have a podcast on our phone app or on uh, SoundCloud. Uh, You can even find it on the uh, um, Apple uh, podcast app. And we talk about that chapter for that day or for that week. And it's just another way to get you connected. Now, we call this a chapter a day series because we're not going to be teaching necessarily on what we're reading in Luke this week. However, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the parables of Jesus in, chap- in, in Luke's chapters, but also in the other books of the gospel. So don't get confused, but as you read a chapter a day, it should help you understand the foundation and the underlining of the parables of Jesus. So let me start with asking everyone a question rhetorically, but I want you to answer it to yourself. What is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? Can we put that on the screen? And how do you explain the kingdom of God to someone who's never heard or understood the kingdom of God? This is important, especially if you call yourself a Christian. We need to be able to understand what we're a believer of. And if we're a believer of Christ, then we are a believer of the kingdom of God because Christ represents and came to fulfill the kingdom of God. And so if you don't really understand for yourself the kingdom of God and how it operates and what it looks like and who it's for and your response to it, guess what? You won't be able to live out the kingdom of God to its full power. You know, I got this Fitbit that I hardly ever wear. And if I don't know how to operate this Fitbit, I have no idea what all these graphs and charts and everything that says, you know, you've got 300 steps left, you fatty, you know, um, kind of thing. And I'm like, what? But if I don't know how it operates and I don't know the ins and outs, I'm not going to get the benefit of the product. And so we need to understand the kingdom of God in its fullness so that we can live out what we were designed and created for here and now and in the forevermore. So what is the kingdom of God? Well, I'm so glad you asked because we are going to cover that these next five weeks. So today we're going to do two things and this is this is daunting for me, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. But the first thing we're going to do is we are going to define to the best of our abilities by going to the Word of God, and we're going to define and try to understand what the kingdom of God is, because that's really important. And by the way, we could probably, for the rest of our existence, teach on the kingdom of God, because that's what it's all about, by the way. And then secondly, we're going to look at two parables, not in Luke, but in Matthew, where Jesus illustrates and shows us the immeasurable, incomparable, infinite value of this kingdom of God that we're going to define. 
However, before we define the kingdom of God, I want to be able for you to understand why we're calling this series Upside Down Kingdom. This is very important. And this goes along with building the case for defining the kingdom of God. So what we're going to soon realize, if you haven't realized this yet, is that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which we're going to use interchangeably, by the way, the kingdom of God is completely upside down from this worldly kingdom. Did you notice that? It's literally polar opposites. The kingdom of God is nothing, nothing like the kingdom of this world that is temporal. The kingdom of God is eternal. But if you start to think about it, and a brother of mine really, really challenged my thinking, and I started to think about this. If you really think about it, and by the end of these five weeks, you're going to understand way more about the kingdom and how it operates and who it's for and our response to the kingdom, we're going to understand that actually it's not the kingdom of God that's upside down. It's the kingdom of self. It is the kingdom of man. It is the kingdom of the dominion of darkness. The kingdom of this world that is going to pass away. The kingdom of God is actually the kingdom that is upright. There is no flaws in the kingdom of God, and there is nothing that will ever defeat the kingdom of God. It is upright, it always has been, and it always will be. And so our desire is for us to understand in this series that everything we do in this world by the worldly patterns and the worldly system and even our government in not just this country, but the world is completely upside down. So far away from ever understanding and getting a glimpse of the kingdom of God. So that's why we're doing this series. That's why I'm passionate. That's why I'm excited because if the kingdom of God starts to invade our teens' lives, guys, nothing can stop them. Nothing will be able to stop this force in this church, in the churches in this area, and the churches in Ohio, the churches in the United States. And by the way, we're seeing in other countries the kingdom of God invade with power. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus came to fulfill the kingdom of God, to bring the kingdom of God. So Romans 12.2 touches on this differentiation between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. Our world lives for the kingdom of self. And we're going to touch on that in a moment, but let's look at Romans 12.2. It says this, do not conform. Can you say conform nice and loud with me? Conform to this world. Let's try it again. Do not be to this world. This world. The kingdom of self. The kingdom of this world that is temporal and fading away. It's broken, sinful, it's fallen, it's dark. Do not be conformed to this world, but be, say it, but be, one more time everybody, but be 
thank you by the renewal of your mind. Then it goes on to actually say, by this you'll be able to discern or know the will of God. The kingdom of God is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. And so what we need to do these next five weeks is we need to see how the principles of the kingdom of God, how the values of the kingdom of God, and how the applications of the kingdom of God are polar opposite and upside down from what you and I were wired to to be and to do when we came into this sinful world. It's, it's completely upside down. Why? Because we have conformed, say conformed, to the patterns of this world. But there's hope, and we're going to see this later, that in order to be in the kingdom of God, we need to understand what the kingdom of God is, how it operates, who it's for, and our response. In order to understand that, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And our hearts. And in order to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, the kingdom of God needs to flip our hearts and our minds upside down. Hello. That's what needs to happen. The kingdom of God needs to invade us. Our atmosphere. Our environment. And flip you upside down. If that doesn't happen you will always be stuck in the kingdom of self and the ways and the patterns of this world. And so my desire and my prayer for all of you is that you would allow God through the salvation of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit to flip you upside down. Because that is the only way that you'll be able to understand and fully comprehend the kingdom of God and then to walk and live in the kingdom of God. Amen? Whew. This is real life change. And maybe you've called yourselves a Christian for let's say 30 years. But you have never ever experienced or encountered the power of the kingdom of God. Don't miss it. What are you waiting for? Would you pray with me? Father, holy is your name. There is no other God but you. You are high and lifted up. You are righteous. You are mighty. You are just. And we honor you and we tremble in your presence. Your kingdom come, Father. Your kingdom come. Your will, not ours, Your kingdom, not our kingdom, your kingdom come. Your will be done here this morning in our hearts at Elevation Community Church and anyone listening and watching and beyond. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Open our hearts and open our eyes. Open our hearts and open our eyes. Flip us upside down to see the fullness of your kingdom. Jesus' name, amen. Father, help me get this out in the next 30 minutes. Sorry, 20. 
<laughs> so, in the chapter of day of Luke 3, if you've read it, that's awesome. If not, read it today if you can. In chapter 3, we see this man called John the Baptist, who was called and anointed by God to prepare the way for the kingdom of the Lord by preparing the way for the anointed one, the Messiah. And his message, John the Baptist's message, was what? Repent! Repent! I mean, this guy with like this wool and eating locusts and bugs out of the wilderness coming out, I mean, like, oh, what do you call it? Like Tarzan, you know? Repent! For what? The kingdom of God is at hand. So what? <laughs> so what? We need, we need to understand why this is important. Why is this important? Well, I'm going to tell you in a minute. But then we see Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, Yeshua, Coming for one purpose, and one purpose alone. To bring the kingdom of God to earth. That's it. That's it. Well, what about to die? Yeah, yeah, he dies to make a way for you to be a part of the kingdom of God. It's all about the kingdom of God. Jesus talks more about the kingdom of God than anything else in the Gospels. Luke 17, he says this. When he's asked by the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look here, oh, there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. What Jesus is saying is the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God for over 2,000 years now has been among us and in the midst of us. Will we wake up and see it and experience it and receive it and live it? The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So what is this kingdom that Jesus spoke so much about? What is it? I'm so glad you asked again. The kingdom of God, let's define it here. The kingdom of God, and I would say this is going to carry us through the entire series. So if, you're, if, you, if you want to kind of chew on it a little bit more before next Sunday, write it on your, text it on your phone or write it down real quick. The kingdom of God is not a place, it's not a realm, it's not a people. Well, that kind of leaves everything out, doesn't it? No. The kingdom of God is not a place, it's not a realm, it's not a people. What is it? It is the rule and the reign of our almighty everlasting God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. It is God's rule and reign over all things. The kingdom of God is not a place, is not uh, a person, is not a realm. It is the rule and the reign of God Almighty over everything. So, it's not like when you say Ohio, or Alabama, or China, or Asia. That's a certain specific location. The kingdom of God is not a location. It is a rule and reign. 
it is a rule and reign. Now, just so you don't tune me out, sure, sure, the kingdom of God can and will create a realm. The kingdom of God will create a place. And the kingdom of God will create a people, but a place and a realm and a people are not dependent upon the kingdom of God. Or excuse me, let me say that again. Otherwise, the kingdom of God is not dependent upon a place, a realm, or a people. You follow me? It's the other way around. It's upside down. And so it is the rule and the reign of God. Let's look at Psalms 103 that says it perfectly. In verse 19, it says, The Lord has established his throne in the heaven, heavens. Read this with me. Ready? And his kingdom rules. That's the kingdom of God. It's the rule and the reign of God. And now, in order to understand fully the kingdom of God, like I was saying before, of why John the Baptist, what he was saying, the kingdom at hand, and why this was so important, we need to understand the timeline of God. Theologically and biblically, we need to understand how the kingdom of God operates here on earth. How did this evolve? How did this come about? This is really, really important, and I'm trying not to make it like a classroom for you, but we need to go through this. So let's look at the timeline. And as you can see, the yellow horizontal line is, represents the time on earth. So the first dot is the creation, the creation of the world. God created his kingdom on earth in perfection, in all creation, to be glorified in the context of relationship. Adam, the first man, the first woman, Eve, mankind, humankind, what did God give them? He gave them rule and reign over the earth. Kingdom of heaven. He would have dominion over all the earth. The kingdom of God was there in perfection. But what happened? And let me tell you, if you think you know the answer by your Sunday school answer, that is awesome. But don't be fooled. That's not all about just a serpent lying to Eve about an apple. All eyes up here, because this, this can change your perspective of the kingdom of God. Here's what happened. Satan, ruler of darkness, ruler of darkness, was cast down from heaven. Because in the kingdom of heaven, there cannot be any darkness. He was cast down, and he went to Adam and Eve, and he did this. He deceived Adam and Eve that God was withholding things from his kingdom. And if they would just eat of the fruit. See, it wasn't about the fruit. It was about the kingdom. That they would eat the fruit of the kingdom. They would exchange the kingdom of God for the kingdom of evil. So here's what happened when they ate that apple. Listen. When they submitted to Satan. 
They gave Satan the authority to rule and reign in their lives. Let me say it another way. They're of the kingdom of God. They're ruling and reigning, and their objective and their design is to have dominion over the earth with the kingdom of God. And they take the keys of the kingdom of God, and they say, Satan, you can have the keys. And so now Satan and all the dominions and demons of darkness rule the earth. And now we live, even today, we live underneath the curse of sin. We need to understand that because we so easily just blame God for all the crud that is going on in our earth. No, let's blame Satan. And mankind submitted to Satan and gave him the authority to rule and reign on this earth. That is key, key to know. So we have the fall, and from the time of creation in the fall to the New Testament, which is that line right there, that little vertical line, we have this huge problem, sin. The kingdom of God is gone. The kingdom of darkness and the domain of evil is there, ruling and reigning and having havoc on God's people. And so what happens here? is God makes a promise because he loves us and his purpose is to be with us and have his creation in the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So he makes a promise to Abraham, to Noah, to Moses, to David, to Jacob, to David, and on and on and on and on. And he makes a promise and he says, I will redeem my people to myself and I will renew my kingdom of God here on earth. So from the fall to the New Testament where we see the gospel message come into play. They are searching and waiting. They are searching and waiting. They're waiting and searching. They're waiting and searching, searching and waiting for the kingdom of God. This is huge. So when John the Baptist comes on play and the Messiah, Jesus Christ, they're like, this is it. This is it. So we see Jesus come on the scene. Proclaim the kingdom of God, and then he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the kingdom of God except through me. Now get this, in the eyes of the Jews, you've got to get this. They're thinking, this is it. Gives you a little more understanding to Judas. This is it. This is the last days. They're thinking that this is it. This is the revelation that hasn't been written yet. This is where the Lord is going to come down and destroy Rome, destroy sin, destroy darkness. And Jesus, if he is the Messiah, he is going to bring the kingdom of God on earth. But what they missed was that the kingdom of God is so much deeper and it's upside down from their earthly perception. And so they tried getting in the way of the Messiah to make the kingdom of God come. That should give you a little bit more understanding to why they did what they did. It's because they've been waiting for thousands of years for the kingdom. And Jesus died. And that was it of the kingdom of God. Not so fast. You see, the kingdom of God is all about resurrection. The kingdom of God is all about bringing dead things to life. 
And Jesus had to die the sinner's death so that he could grab the keys of life and the kingdom of God. So that whoever believes in Jesus and receives Jesus, listen up especially if you're not following Jesus. Whoever holds the keys of Jesus, receives Jesus, receives life forevermore in the kingdom of God. However, the kingdom of God then transfers. Something supernatural happens in the life of a believer. The Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, comes and dwells and takes residence in you. How cool is that? So the kingdom of God is here, but not yet. It's a future event, but it's a present reality. And see, now we're in this time where we're pursuing the last days. The day of the Lord, the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. It's coming. It's coming. The signs are all around us. We don't teach enough about this. I remember when I was a kid, I had nightmares about the coming of God. I thought he was going to come and take all my presents away on Christmas Eve. My Christmas Eve prayer every year, except maybe I stopped like last year or something like that, um, was, God, please don't come tomorrow. Please don't come tomorrow. Let me have Christmas Day. Please, Jesus. Is I was afraid of the kingdom of God. I needed to have the Holy Spirit flip my mind and my heart upside down. There is no greater thing than the kingdom of God. Whoa, I'm really behind, guys. I'm going to try. So good news of the gospel. Okay, so this is, this is what's really important. This is what's really urgent for those who believe in Jesus Christ. Is there is a day when the Jesus is going to split the sky and he is going to come a second time. And he's going to bring judgment and destruction to the world. Why? Why would a loving God do that? Because we submitted it over to the kingdom of darkness. We gave it to the kingdom of darkness. And God says, darkness and Satan will never have the last say. Never, ever. And so Jesus is going to come with authority as king of kings of the kingdom. And everyone that is marked with Jesus' blood from the cross has the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God living inside of them, is going to be raised up to the kingdom of God. But guess what? Those who don't believe and receive Jesus, it's the sober truth, are going to be destroyed with the world. And the kingdom of God is going to come in contact with every person before they leave this earth. That's God's promise. We have to choose whether or not we're going to receive the kingdom of God. So, church, this is why I want you here the next four weeks. You need to understand that the kingdom of God not is only at hand, and it is coming, and people are going to be destroyed with the earth who don't receive Jesus. The time is now to share the kingdom of God to people. The time is now. We just did a series, Plan A. If you weren't here for it, listen to it. The kingdom of God is all about loving others as God loved us in displaying his son, Jesus the Messiah, to die for us to provide the kingdom of God to us. Wow. So now we get the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will come in fulfillment when Jesus comes and restores the kingdom of God to earth. So I do want to focus on that real quick.
What we have to understand is because of Jesus, when we believe and receive Jesus, we have the kingdom of God in us. So the kingdom of God is in us. It's already happening. We are already heirs and citizens of heaven through Jesus Christ. But it's not yet. Could you put that theme on there, David? It's already, but it's not yet. The fulfillment of the kingdom of God is already, it's in us, if you have Jesus. But not yet. It is a future event coming with Jesus, the day of the Lord. But it's a present reality in Bill Tackett and in me and Brian Warwick and Sherry and Melanie and Cindy. It's in us. But it's a future event. We have to understand that about the kingdom of God. That was my intro. That's why they gave, <laughs> the teaching team gave me this Sunday to start. What I'm going to do, what I'm going to do is I'd like for us to look at two parables and then we're going to end it. And they're together. It's in Matthew. Would you stick with me? Because this, this is powerful stuff. This is life change. Life change. Thank you. Matthew 13, 44 to 46, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered it up. And in his joy, you hear that? He goes and sells all that he has to buy the field. And then Jesus goes to tell the story again. So he's linking the two together. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, say merchant, merchant, in search of fine pearls, who one finding the pearl of great value went and sold everything he had bought or, or that he had to buy the pearl. So in one account, you have an object, a treasure, a thing that's illustrated as the kingdom of God. On the other account, you have a person, a merchant in intentional pursuit of that pearl. And in the first one, a treasure, the man stumbled into the treasure. He wasn't searching for the treasure. He stumbled into it and found it. And so let's take the first parable real quick. When he found the hidden treasure in his joy, he hid the treasure again and went off. Before we dig deep, pun intended, I want to, to, to um, cap the, this parable by this key principle. We're going to go back just a little bit, David. We joyfully and sacrificially pursue what we greatly value. We joyfully and sacrificially pursue what we greatly value. Just look in your life. You will be able to see what you greatly value by what you joyfully and sacrificially pursue. Mic drop. So, he went, stumbled upon this treasure. Whether he was digging or walking and ran into it, we don't know. And then he hit it again, and with joy, he went and sold everything he had and went back and bought that. First of all, why did he bury it? We need to understand that in those days, burying treasures was a norm. They did not have Fifth Third Bank. They did not have a safe house where they could go and buy a safe and rent a safe and put their stuff in there. They had to have it in their possession. The other thing is they could have hid it in their house. 
Well, what's going on in Israel? There is constant invasions. There's war. They don't know when they're going to be ransacked the next day. They're going to have to pick up everything and their kids and go. And so what they do is that anything that is valuable, they put in the ground somewhere. And when, when it's safe, they joyfully and sacrificially will pursue that treasure. Make sense? Now it's starting to come to life. And now remember, every Jewish person looked forward to the kingdom of God. It was their shalom, the peace of God, to come and rule and reign over the dominion of darkness. They were willing to let go of everything, everything, in order to pursue and receive the kingdom of God. We need to understand that. So here's the question Why does Jesus talk about a man stumbling into a treasure and then finding the value and selling everything? You see, in the first parable, or excuse me, in the second parable, unlike the man who stumbles into the treasure, in the second parable, this man, this merchant, is intentionally pursuing this pearl. He is maybe a collector of jewelry, and he's going all around searching for that one thing that just is beyond, immeasurably beyond his wildest dreams, and he finds it. And when he finds it, what does he do? He goes back and sells everything, everything. He doesn't keep anything for himself. He sells it just to buy that treasure. So the treasure in the first parable was discovered accidentally. The treasure was discovered accidentally. In the second parable, the pearl was intentionally pursued. And Jesus is saying both is like the kingdom of God. Some of you are going to stumble and accidentally run into the kingdom of God. And some of you are going to intentionally search and pursue the kingdom of God. Yet when both were discovered, the incredible value and the worth of the treasure and the pearl were worth more than anything they have ever stored up in their life, nor anything they could ever muster up. And so they sold everything and lost everything for that one thing. A writer once says this, it is foolishness for anyone after you discover the immeasurable value of the kingdom of God and then not let go of whatever you have in order to exchange it for something of infinite value. It's foolishness. The writer's saying, you're a fool if you discover the value of the kingdom of God and you won't let go of everything else for the kingdom. So just like the treasure and just like the pearl, there is no money, no fame, no material wealth, no status or achievement, no greatest earthly pleasures that you could ever dream up that could even come close to the value of the kingdom of God. Why? And I will close with this. The kingdom of God is infinitely, immeasurably, incomparably valuable. More than anything else. That this world, this temporal world, this domain of darkness could ever provide. Why? Number one, it will never end. 
number one. It will never end. This world is temporal. By the way, the curse of death, we're still experiencing the curse, curse of death, even though we have Jesus. Why? It's because we're going to die. Physically, our bodies will die. That's the curse of, that's, excuse me, that's the curse of sin. That's the curse of sin that we have to live with. Now, if we're here when Jesus comes again, maybe we will be. We won't have to experience death. But that's for those who are in the last days. Number two, it will make all things new. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Everything will be perfect, literally without blemish, holy and righteous. The world can't even comprehend what that would be like. There will never be any more darkness in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is light. All the byproduct that we're experiencing of sin will be no more. There will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more death. That's the kingdom of God. Because it's the rule and the reign of God. Complete wholeness and perfection. And third, as the band comes up. Third. So we have it will never end. It will make all things new, and his power will forever be on display. His power. And here's the thing. You think of power, you think of dynamite, right? Stay with me. I'm almost done, I promise. You think of dynamite, power, and might, and yeah, God can move mountains into the sea. He can do whatever he wants to. But you know where his greatest power is displayed? Listen. His greatest power is displayed in redeeming his people. I'll let you catch up. His greatest power is in redemption, where Jesus dies our death so that he can be raised to life. So that we no longer are dead to sin, but we are alive in Christ That is what it's all about. God taking dead things, Joshua, and bringing them to life. That's what he does, and that's what the kingdom of God is, and that's the display of the power of God. Paul says in Romans, in chapter 1, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it has the power to save, the power of redemption. And so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Is the kingdom of God more valuable than anything else that you could obtain, anything else that you're holding on to right now? Because if anyone had everything, it was the Apostle Paul. He had everything. And in Philippians 3, verse 7 through 8, get this. He says, whatever I gained, he reached the pinnacle. I mean, he was admired. He had everything in the Jewish culture. God, move. Kingdom of God, move right now. Move right now. Your kingdom come right now. Your will be done. Whatever gain I had, I count as a loss for the sake of Jesus. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus my Lord. So, 
I count it all loss. I don't care. I'm going to leave everything behind and I'm going to pursue the kingdom of God because of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss. Many of you are suffering great things. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is in you. Let it come up. Let it rise up. For his sake, I've suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Dung. Poopy. That's what he's saying. He counted it as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Let me ask you, what kingdom are you building your life on? Is it the kingdom of the world that produces death, anxiety, fear, depression, hatred, division, deception, war, anger, on and on? Or are you building into the kingdom of God that has power? that will be everlasting, no more pain. It will be all perfection and God's rule and reign will be over everything. What kingdom are you building your life on? You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve into both kingdoms. And lastly, what kingdom are you building into? There's a difference. What kingdom are you building your life on? And what kingdom are you pouring into? What kingdom is your checkbook devoted to? What kingdom is your schedule devoted to? What kingdom is your money and your possessions and your time and your talents and your gifts and your passions devoted to? devoted to the kingdom of God that's just going to crumble? Or the kingdom of self that's just going to crumble? Or is it to the kingdom of God that will store up treasures and impact and advance the kingdom of God right here, right now? Right now. So would you stand? You don't have to close your eyes. I'm going to ask a question. Everyone here, followers of Christ, still wondering if this is for you, if this is real, the real deal, still searching, you're welcomed here. We love you. We love you. God accepts you right where you're at. That's the kingdom of God. But after hearing, not my words, but hearing the word of God and hearing what Jesus says about the kingdom of God, how many of you say, I want to be a part of that kingdom. Raise your hand if you want to be a part of that kingdom. Again, remember, bring it down, remember that quote, it is foolishness to discover the kingdom of God, the value, and not to let go of everything else for the kingdom. Can I encourage you to lose all for the sake of Christ? to let it go. And as we worship and say, I will build my life on the firm foundation of Jesus. I want to open this altar and I want you to come and just lay down the kingdom of self that you have been living for, that you've been building your life on and that you've been building your life into. It's time 
to live for the kingdom of God. It's time to pursue the value of the kingdom of God. This life is temporal and it is fading. You don't even know if you're going to make it till the end of this day. But the kingdom of God is everlasting and it will never change and it will be forever and forever more. Kingdom of the living God. God the Father. May your kingdom come. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, all of our needs. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we know that all these things will be added unto us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory in God the Father, in Jesus the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. Let's worship in the kingdom of God.